Hi everyone, this is International Society of Hypertension Podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. So welcome back to our Mentoring and Training Committee podcast from the International Society of Hypertension. Today, we have a very special guest, and we'll be speaking to Professor Anna Shalimova. Anna graduated from the Kharkiv National Medical University in Ukraine, where she is now a professor at the Department of Internal Medicine. Anna is also the leading research at the LT Malaya Therapy National Institute of the National Academy of Medical Sciences of Ukraine. And more recently, Anna became a professor and scientist at the Medical University of Gdansk, Poland. Anna has an extensive interest in hypertension and metabolic diseases, and does, as, as a clinician scientist, has uh, lots of experiences in mentoring many clinicians and students throughout her career. And today we have the pleasure to talk to Anna. You're going to find more about her experiences, and I cannot wait to start this interview. Anna, thank you very much for being here with us and for accepting our invitation. And, uh, and I hope you enjoy what we're going to be doing here today. Thank you, Augusto, for the invitation. Thank you. So just to get like, uh, things started, can you tell us a little bit about you, your career, like your story, and how did you get involved with hypertension and the International Society of Hypertension? Okay, um, I have always been, uh, been extremely interested in scientific activities ever since my students' day. I have been interested in cardiology and after graduating from the medical university, I decided that I would like to develop uh, in this direction. Uh, the topic of my PhD thesis was devoted to the formation of heart failure in chronic kidney disease while the topic of my doctoral thesis dealt with the features of the comorbidity of hypertension and type 2 diabetes. Since I started working in, in my doctoral thesis, I've been actively involved in the problem of hypertension. And when I got interesting results uh, while working on my thesis, of course, I wanted to present them at the conferences of the specialized societies. Therefore, I became actively involved in the work of the International Society of Hypertension. And after defining my doctoral thesis in 2016, I thought, what next? What to do when both theses have already been defined? However, I would like to continue studying. And I found information about the best school in Europe dealing with the study of hypertension and diabetes. Having written a letter to Professor Narkiewicz, past president of the European Society of Hypertension, I received an invitation from him to come to Gdansk, Poland, and see the work on, of his clinic. And during my visit to Gdansk at the end of 2016, I met the leadership of the Gdansk Medical University and the staff of the Department of Hypertension and Diabetology. So the great opportunities of the university clinic, but the main scene then won me our words, a very warm welcome organized by Professor Mulkiewicz. And I decided that I want to continue my scientific development after the leadership of Professor Mulkiewicz. 
The trip to Gdansk inspired me so much that uh, just a few days after my return to Kharkiv, I started learning Polish. And since July 2017, I have become a postdoc at the Department of Hypertension and Diabetology at the Medical University of Gdansk. The year of my scientific fellowship was indeed unforgettable as I not only plunged into the scientific work in the European project, but also acquired real friends and like-minded people at the Clinic of Hypertension and Diabetology. A trip to Gdansk and my subsequent work in Ukraine convinced me that hypertension is a direction in which I would like to develop further. And of course, the International Society of Hypertension is the organization that helps researchers in the field of hypertension. Perfect, thank you so much, Anna. And you mentioned that you participated in societies such as the ESH and the ISH, and you're very active in, in societies as well. So how sitting committees or participating in societies was important for you to advance on your career? Um, it seems to me that it's quite difficult to single out a separate contribution of one or another factor to the development of my professional career. However, I'm sure that even through the active involvement of professional societies in the work uh, requires time's resource. Of course, this brings much more professional bonuses. This is an opportunity to always be aware of advanced technologies and the current stage of the problem we study and the opportunity to exchange experience with colleagues at meetings, and the opportunity to gain the new knowledge at research fellowship, and of course, finding international mentors who influence our professional formation. Uh, therefore, uh, without active participation in professional societies, I would not be able to imagine my professional development. Perfect. And Anna, so our podcast, we focus a little bit more on mentorship and your mentoring experiences. And that's what we're going to be talking a little bit now. So if you need to define your mentorship experience in one word, which word would be? Oh, difficult question, yes. Uh, it seems to me that it's very difficult to put in one word ever since that mentoring carries with it. However, I would probably formulate it as motivation. In my case, my um, main mentor, Professor Narkiewicz, has become for me a person who is incredibly motivating for further research and hypertension and constant scientific development. And uh, I would like to become the same motivating mentor for my mentees. And Anna, do you think mentoring is important? I believe that mentoring plays a very important role in our formation. Um, finding good mentors, say, in our life is a really great success. Absorbing their knowledge and experience in order to develop on this basis, it's a right strategy. And becoming a good mentor yourself is a real art. And when specifically in your career did you realize that you needed a mentor? Uh, a mentor? I can say that uh, the need for good mentors arose probably from the school bench. 
However, if we talk about professional activities, uh, then probably in the senior years of the medical university, a need began to be felt for a person who I would like to learn from and who I would like to be equal to. I was lucky that in the different stages of my professional formation, I had wonderful mentors, from each of whom I learned something. But I would especially like to, uh, to single out Professor Narkievich, ex-president of the European Society of Hypertension, who became my mentor, became a mentor when I was already to a certain extent formed as a scientist. And um, for me, the mentoring of Professor Narkievich during my fellowship as a postdoc has become probably most important for my further professional development. Perfect. And uh, Anna, you mentioned uh, that you you become like a leader everywhere you go, and you probably have mentors some people throughout your time in Poland and Ukraine and everything. So what is your mentorship or your mentoring style? Um, it's probably hard to single out my mentoring style to a great extent. My students can judge with this. But uh, as it seemed to me, uh, this is a more supportive style that uh, combines uh, involvement in the discussion of the study task, support and motivation. If you talk about my own examples, I could remember PhD students who didn't confirm his initial hypothesis in the study, but received quite interesting result. He didn't understand that a negative result in research is also a result. And at some point he just gave up. And my task was to make him realize the importance of result obtained and look at his work from a different angle. And I'm glad that I was able to support him and he successfully defined his PhD thesis. That is important. Yeah, a lot of, uh, I know a lot of PhD students, even us, like in the past, like when we get something uh, negative or we get stuck, I think the easy way is to get upset and, and not give up, but like the feeling of giving up becomes, right? So yeah, so that that's perfect. Thank you so much, Anna. And and thinking about the mentee side now, what kind of uh, traits or characteristics do you think a mentee should have in order to have a good, uh, successful mentorship relationship? Uh, it seems to me that a good mentee, first of all, should show interest in learning and the problem in studying. He should be able to listen, that is, be, re uh, be ready to perceive information, listen to the advice and constructive criticism of the mentor and analyze what he hears. Uh, he should not be afraid to make mistakes because uh, there will always be mistakes and he needs to be prepared for, for this. And a good mentee should consciously approach his own learning showing independence and not expecting that the mentor will do 100% of the work for him and achieve all the tasks without his participation. And for mentees as well that are looking for changing labs or joining uh, new uh, research institutes as you did, do you have any advice on how, to people uh, on how to identify a good training environment for them? 
um, it seems to me that in each specific situation, a good learning environment will have its own characteristics. But um, in my opinion, I would still single out its important components. Um, this is the coincidence of the views of the mentor and the mentee in achieving the goals. The adoption of the mentoring model by the mentee. Uh, this is a high authority and knowledge of the mentor. Uh, this is uh, the desire of the world to develop. And the availability of certain resource is also important. Included a good uh, material and technical base, uh, without which uh, result is extremely difficult. And uh, during like a mentorship relationship or even like uh, in career development, like if you approach someone to ask for advice or even like scientific advice, uh, intimidation plays a huge role. Some people sometimes they are too shy or they find like too intimidating to approach someone and talk to that person. So to you, uh, if you have those moments of intimidation, how did you overcome talking to someone that you find that you were uh, apprehensive to or you were uh, intimidated for by? <laughs> It would be as soon as possible if I may answer that I avoid communication with such people. Uh, but all of us, uh, one way or another, sometimes have to, com uh, have to communicate with a similar category of people overcoming our fear. And it seems to me that initially we need to turn into the fact that the person who frightens us is no better and no worse than us in character, experience, skills, and goals. He is just different. And uh, this needs to be realized. If there is such an opportunity, then we need to prepare as much as possible for a conversation with such person, including trying to find something in common with us. Uh, the more common we can find, the less we will be afraid. Our task is to, is to communicate with such a person to behave as confidently as possible, resolutely, and demonstrate our professionalism. In my opinion, uh, this tactic helps to greatly reduce the level of fear and will enable constructive communication. Perfect. And Anna, now switching to diversity and inclusion, uh, what do you think is the biggest barrier around diversity and inclusion in hypertension research? And how can we change that? Uh, first of all, if we talk about the uh, diversity and inclusion in common years, it primarily research to, to the work of the teams. And these concepts are really very important components of its work. On the one hand, uh, when a diverse team of people works, it's a representative of society. On the other hand, uh, with the conclusion, all team members have equal access to opportunities and resources. Teams that prioritize diversity and inclusion have been prone to be safer, more competitive and more productive. And if we talk about the main barriers to the formation of a diversity and inclusion initiative, it's probably worth highlighting some stereotypes, thinking, and the inability to overcome some barriers in decision making. Therefore, uh, managers often do, uh, do not consider 
it's necessary to diversify the personal reserve. Forgetting about the creative potential of people, their ingenuity and their ability to solve complex problems. And this is often associated with another barrier, a lack of leadership skills and inability to work in team. As for scientific research, including hypertension, the problem of insufficient diversity of groups should be noted. And in particular, some groups are underrepresented in research, including gender, ethnic minorities, people with disabilities, and socially disadvantaged groups. Therefore, I think that when planning research, we need to take this problem into account. And in accordance with the principles of inclusions, try to understand and accept the diversities of groups, which will allow our research to be made more fundamental. Perfect. Thank you, Anna. And as, uh, as a woman that's extremely active, not only in the medical uh, field, but also like in, the science, in science, do you have any advice for women in hypertension research? Uh, here we once again touch upon the problem of diversity, namely gender characteristics, yes, and despite the fact that I do not divide the achievements of researchers by gender, I will not hide, I'm blessed when women reach great professional heights. And this is due to the fact that uh, a priori, it's more difficult for a woman to realize herself in the profession. Because most often she has to find a balance between family and work. And this is quite difficult. Therefore, if you talk about advice for women in research on hypertension, that probably this phase is one sound strength and capabilities, acceptance of the fact that uh, there may be some breaks in a career related to the birth of children and caring for them. And I think that an example of the International Society of Hypertension, we once again uh, became convinced that in the profession, women can be successful on an equal footing with men, while being realized in the family and with an active lifestyle. And, and, and our last question in the, our WeChat here today, uh, it's about COVID-19 pandemic. So, the pandemic has uh, has happened and not damaged, but like affected a lot of like people's, uh, a lot of researchers uh, and careers uh, in development and everything. So do you have any ideas about what our community, what we can do better to support our junior researchers during this uh, COVID pandemic? Okay, in, in my opinion, the International Society of Hypertension uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic tried its best to support young researchers. I myself have repeatedly attended the meetings of the new investigators committee at which the present problems that young researchers were forced uh, to face were discussed. Uh, young researchers had the opportunity to communicate online with mentors. And it's really great. Uh, perhaps the society website will be useful information addressed directly to young researchers, where links, uh, for example, links to information resource, including online fellowship, will be provided. And it seems to me that the program for online communication between mentors and mentees should continue its life even in the post-pandemic era. 
since it greatly expands the possibilities of communication, regardless of the actual location of the participants. In addition, um, uh, one should not forget that at the beginning of a career, it's always difficult to find material resource for scientific research. Therefore, in my opinion, it's important to expand uh, the grant program for young sciences. Perfect. Um, and uh, that's amazing. I think like uh, everything you said was, is going to be very helpful to our listeners. And uh, thank you so much. So with that, uh, we reached the, the end of our uh, chat. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And it was very good and very inspiring. So thank you so much again for being here with thank us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Augusto Ransky. And thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.